Welcome to Finding the Keys, Conversations on Self-Care for Parents. I'm your host, therapist and coach, Dr. Christine Forte-Klotz. Finding the Keys is not your typical parenting podcast. You won't find instructions or advice here on how to raise your kids. Instead, this podcast is about you as a parent, as a person. We cover real-life practices for managing overwhelm, taking care of our health in mind, body, spirit, and embracing the chaos along with the joy that parenting brings. Through the interviews and insights shared, we navigate finding the keys to balance in life, work, and beyond. So join me. Let's get started. Let's begin today by looking at some workplace trends. I know you're probably thinking that this is supposed to be a podcast about self-care. So let's not talk about work. (laughs) But as we all know, the reality is that for those working outside of the home, the office or home office is likely where we spend the bulk of our waking hours. So to me, it follows that the way we're able to take care of ourselves or not at work can set the tone for much of how the rest of our self-care looks. This week in particular, I've been reading the recently released Lean In Report, which is based on research done in collaboration between the Lean In organization and McKinsey to examine workplace trends and conditions for women. Regardless of whatever you might think of Sheryl Sandberg's tenure at Facebook, the Lean In organization that she's collaboratively founded really is, I think, doing such important work for women in the workplace, starting with, first and foremost, bringing awareness to the bigger picture of what's going on. Something that immediately stood out to me in the information that they presented as just astonishing was that we are actually in a worse place than we were in 2015 when this study was started, and that women are leaving leadership positions at higher rates than ever. The report revealed that not only are companies losing women at the top, but there is also a talent drain at entry levels too, with fewer women entering corporate roles. This creates a vicious cycle. When women don't see female role models or leaders in an organization, they may be less likely to join it. But then when we look down the road, if fewer women are entering, then there will also be fewer who have the experience to be promoted, both of which create not only continued inequality, but a massive talent drain for companies as well as imbalancing corporate cultures. I'll talk more in the show today with our guest, Dr. Simone Schwank, about these trends, particularly with what she's seen happening in Switzerland, where she is. But by now, many of us are certainly familiar with the way that the pandemic has exacerbated demands placed on women in terms of childcare, household management, which means that many women are simply stretched too thin and are becoming really burned out. And so many may see that the only path towards better self-care is to simply leave their corporate leadership roles. And so in a strange way, it might actually be a sign of self-care happening if women are leaving the roles where they're burned out, that they're trying to do something there to take better care of themselves. But man, what a choice to have to make. And it really brings up the questions of, couldn't there be 
more supportive ways to structure work in organizations in order to reduce this burnout happening in the first place. And I'll talk more about some of these possible balances or ways of supporting women today with Dr. Simone. Our guest, Dr. Simone, is an internationally recognized expert in mental health and intercultural communication. She's worked as a coach and consultant with global organizations and universities. She's also a therapist and published author of multiple research articles and a book on mental health in urban China. And most recently, she's founded Une Sur Cent, a women's network to support and inspire diversity and inclusion in the workplace. I want to recognize before we get into the interview that today's episode does focus primarily on the experiences of women and mothers, which I know some listeners might be thinking, hey, hey, wait a minute. Last week you said this was a podcast for all parents. And yes, it still is. And I would say that even though we're speaking about experiences of those who identify as women today, these workplace issues are equally problems for fathers and those who identify as men. And here's why. The imbalances that exist for women in the workplace result in both unbalanced households and families, as well as becoming a drain on companies. And so this impacts everyone across society. Without further ado, Dr. Simone. Good morning, Dr. Simone. Thank you so much for joining us here today. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Actually, it's not morning for me. It's afternoon already. <laughs> That's I'll true. Show you. It's, uh, Beautiful. Well, You're yeah. in Zurich right now. In Zurich, yes. So I understand, Dr. Simone, that you are the founder of Un Sursan. Correct, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit of, about it? What is it? What does the name mean? Of course. Um, it's a female empowerment movement. I started a little more than a year ago, and Insurcent stands for one in a hundred in French. And um, the reason for the name is that we have so few women in leading positions in Switzerland. And that's why I wanted to make out one more and therefore wanting to connect women and inspire each other and actually meet inspiring women and the place I'm currently at is actually one of these places which is run by a woman and um, we're going to have an event here soon and that's why I'm here show other women that you can run your own business as a woman as well so yeah that's that's uh, sort of been the reason why I started it because Switzerland is still very behind when it comes to women's independent work lives and lives in general so returning from the US and Scandinavia and Shanghai as we where we met it's been quite striking to see that and I was quite frustrated to say the least and then I thought well I can't just sit and and complain and do nothing I have to do something myself so that's why I started it and a lot of women joined and it's been quite an incredible journey so far so hopefully we will keep on going yeah that's wonderful it sounds like it probably provides such an important resource to the women in your community 
And full disclosure here, Dr. Simone is a very old friend of mine from when we were both in Shanghai years ago. Uh, so I know I might have a bit of a bias in thinking that her projects are fantastic. Do uh, that. <laughs> in speaking to the, a parenthesis for the listeners there. But uh, Dr. Simone, I, I do, I think it's it's just such a wonderful initiative to really try to support other women and, and be there for each other. Um, because I was just reading some research recently about how there's often kind of what's been called missing rungs on the ladder of climbing towards advancement for women in their mm -hmm. careers. And so I'm I'm guessing that one of your aims in this organization is to hopefully, I guess, fill in some of those rungs by kind of helping each other take a step up. Exactly, because when you look at after work events, it's so often that, or also lunches here in Zurich, it's like 99% the guys meeting and then also having the opportunity to, you know, network and get get each other positions and opportunities whereas women are just not there at the table. And as long as you're not at the table, how are you going to know about a new position or a new opportunity? And it doesn't have to be around the lunch table or a bar. It can also be doing an event or you do activities that are good for your health and mental well-being and combining that with a talk and some mingle with champagne I don't mind but it shouldn't be the only part um, so that's also been important for me to in, include all aspects that make us women women right beauty physical activity and some nice um, networking and yeah and this mm. range of events is part of why I wanted to talk to you because it sounds like mm. you all are really working on kind of, I guess, trying to nurture sort of all aspects of the mm -hmm. the women that might be members. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What that are some of the goal, events yeah. that you've, that you've done? Very diverse, actually. We, I started with um, a collaboration with Cartier, because I thought it's very important to be able to buy your own jewelry as a woman, to be okay to do that and not ask for permission. In Switzerland, until the 90s, women couldn't even open their own bank accounts. So, oh, wow. Um, until the yeah. 90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's important. But also to be able to wear jewelry and being taken seriously as a woman and not just, oh, she just looks pretty and has nothing more to say. So that's been one. We, we had like an introduction to different jewelry and... Um, also from their very um, haute, um, haute um, bijouterie, from their like very fancy pieces that they showed us, which was very interesting. And also the Panther is designed and developed by a woman. So that's been very interesting as well to see, right? That it was a woman and not someone else to do that. We also did a hiking event over a weekend up in the mountains. With the topic, there's no mountain high enough for women to climb. Because I think it's very important to, to show that we, we do can get up to the top too. 
but we need each other. And it was incredible. We had such great talks on these hikes. It was so, so good. I will, I will continue doing that because it has been such a great opportunity to network and just be together in this beautiful environment in nature. We stayed in a very nice hotel, like a five-star hotel in the mountains. So it was both for the soul. You could go swimming in the beautiful pool, the amazing breakfast buffet. And then we went up to the peaks um, around the hotel. Wow. Oh, that does sound mm. incredible. And and something that would just be, I imagine, so restorative and inspiring for the the people participating in it. Another one that I actually that sort of stuck with me was having um an event with Aesop and Porsche where women were doing like a facial ritual and all of them took off washed their faces and took off their makeup. Every single one. There was none that was like, oh no, um I don't I want to keep my makeup on. So everyone was felt comfortable to show their true face and their true beauty. And I thought it was very, very interesting. Because I think depending on the kind of community you grow, maybe people wouldn't feel or women wouldn't feel comfortable to do so. That I thought was very nice um, to see everyone feel comfortable to do that. Okay, so the the people who did the event from Aesop said this was a bit exceptional, that everyone was willing to just kind of Mm -hmm. be so open and vulnerable with one another. Yeah. And it it sounds like there's really an effort there to be kind of accepting and inclusive of, you know, perhaps a, a range of bodies or faces. Absolutely. Age, age is also uh, like a big range. Um, we have my grandma that joined. Oh, your grandma joined. Yeah, she she's how old? Oh, I want to call. She's 98. She's turning 99. She came last last summer. She was like, oh, sounds very interesting. I'll come too. So she was there and um, that was about female fashion and sophistication. And she's one of our families. Like I would say she's best dressed in our family always. I and love a big it. Inspiration. So she was there and she had a good time. And then, of course, my mom is 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 been very supportive, which was something I actually didn't expect as much as, as she 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 was so and is. So that's very cool. Um, has actually brought us closer together, I would say. So it's been very nice. And then young women too, because I think it's important to have older women that can be like mentors for the younger ones or inspirations and vice versa. Older women that see younger women as a source of inspiration to stay young, right? Pretty versatile, I would say. Also what women do as in their professional work world um some are housewives some are not some are retired some are working very very diverse actually and also um when it comes to background in zurich there is a quite a big expat community and i'm very proud because in switzerland we are very exclusive we're the most expat unfriendly country behind sweden so it's not very easy to make friends with locals here 
and having this opportunity to be a local, which I am. I grew up here. I'm born in Zurich, so I'm really from, I'm a local and I have a lot of local friends, but I also have a lot of expat friends and combining both expats and locals has made it also a very nice bridge of bringing women together that otherwise wouldn't meet or wouldn't connect and i think that's also a very important aspect for the community to bring them together instead of having them sort of live parallel lives next to each other and the yeah. events usually are in english too so it's more inclusive um, for everyone but um, it's it's sometimes also in Schweizerdeutsch or a mix so yeah yeah well that's fantastic to make an effort to make sure that okay let's really have this be representative of the actual community that lives here maybe not just people who are native to Zurich Mm -hmm. where are some of your expat members from the biggest expat community in Switzerland is from Germany so there is a lot of German uh, women but there's also quite a few Russian women, uh, Ukrainian, Poland, France, Italy, the US, UK, Australia. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty much all over the place, quite diverse. And do you find that in your organization, there's also a range of women who are either parents or perhaps not yet parents or not planning to become parents or is is that a a theme that comes up around motherhood or parenthood it does and there's a lot of women that have children but also quite a lot that don't yet or decided not to have children actually and so um there's both and i think it's been a very good way for me to hear from these women that are quite different to this mainstream of what you can and what you can't do there's so many can'ts oh you can't do this and you can't do that and you will be exhausted here and there and everywhere can't related to becoming a parent becoming a parent or being a parent and then not being able to do all these things you know I, i i'm pregnant so with my first child first and only um so i can't tell you how many things i've heard and how many people asked me whether i will stop working and how much i would even consider working instead of just asking or or and all these comments about you can't do this and you will be exhausted and you won't sleep and you can't run and you will be blah 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 so there's there's just always been this can't rather than can and I actually over lunch talked to my mom about being so tired of all these can't do Mm -hmm. and I really wish that and I did a couple of podcasts about this topic that to inspire other women how I felt during pregnancy I of course I understand that some women have like real physical issues I've had during my IVF too but that you you still can do things that maybe you believe you can't. And just because everyone tells you you can't, of course, then you don't dare to try. Why don't women share the positive experiences more? So yeah, that's been sort of my my, uh, aspiration too. So it sounds like in Switzerland, there's maybe still quite a bit of 
what we could think of as kind of traditional pressure. Oh, women might stop working if they have a child or. Yeah, I mean, 99.9% of women with children work part time. In, in Switzerland? Yes. 99.9%? So yes. So, so wow. nobody really works full time. Because if they have a the child. System, yes, because the system is really not child friendly whatsoever. I mean, one of my best friends, she, she has a child that is in kindergarten and one is in daycare. And the one in kindergarten needs to have lunch care after school care and pre preschool care because she needs to leave for work at seven. So she needs to find someone to take care of the child until he goes to kindergarten, somebody who takes care of him over lunch and somebody who takes care of him after school until she's home. And, you know, that's a lot of organization that other people just simply don't have to do because the, the kid goes to school from eight to five and is in school or in kindergarten is this normal in the swiss public yes this is exactly children would go home everywhere yes Mm. yes and and so this is really this is really a very big effort for for organizing not only lunch because lunch and after school activities two different places not the same organization either so you can just only imagine the, 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 the amount of, of organization. And of course, you could hire a nanny, but that's very expensive because labor costs in Switzerland are the world's highest. So you can't get a nanny under 35 US dollars at least. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, and daycare is very expensive too. So a lot of women decide actually not to work because or work so it's just very too cost prohibitive because it's too co- exactly and mm. they don't really think about the long-term consequences of what it means not to work they think and and have this gap mm. and this issue with glass ceiling index the economist mm. had a has this index this glass ceiling index <sighs> switzerland is together with south korea turkey and japan on the bottom of the list we're terrible with the worst in the OCD, the worst mm. when it comes to, to the glass ceiling index. Women have really no opportunity mm. to, to reach a higher level in any position. Also in academia, it's been, it's been incredible. You've had I've some heard, personal was, experiences yeah, exactly. with that as well, I was you? too much. I was too much because of you the were too much. Can't. Yes, too much. That was the comment. Too much. The comment was three top universities is too much. Oh, uh, that was, you've attended three top universities and that was too uh, much for a, a particular no, position? The, or the postdoc, the postdoc oh. was going to involve three top universities and that oh, was too much. So in a way, whatever I was doing was too much. And of course, if I was a, a man, that wouldn't have been a question. I've also been asked whether I postponed my family planning due to to academia yeah and that is I mean that's something that also is just astonishing to me that that could even be asked in an interview you know that it would be legal to ask that exactly Mm -hmm. and 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 not nobody would even second guess it in in um, preparation for parenthood in Switzerland they, they they give you a booklet about let's parent 
And in that booklet, there is a budget. And the budget says that the woman does earn less before she's um, having a child already than the guy, uh, her partner. And after the baby, she's not earning anything anymore. The guy gets a car as a, uh, one of the expenses and the woman gets a bus ticket. So, so shocking, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. it's incredible. And this is 2022. It's not yeah. like 50 years ago. Yeah. So that's a question that comes to mind around that. And, and I don't know if, if you've had any, if you've encountered any information about this or have known members of your organization that were in this situation, but it makes me wonder how would this impact same-sex couples? Uh, you know, if if there would, in the case, for example, where it's two women, like would they both stop working? And then if, if so, what does the family do or how is that handled? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still not even um, legally... Um... You you can you can register your partnership, but you cannot um, um, get married in Switzerland as a gay oh. couple. Oh, I didn't and know so that. And so it's it's um, it's still very far behind in these oh. aspects too. And IVF is, for example, a big problem for these couples because of um, um, yeah the the legal situation that you need sperm donation and in a way yeah well where does the sperm come from etc so it's uh it's quite complicated so there is not that many i think um gay couples unfortunately that are even even existing in in a in a legally open way mm. with children there are some but it's very um very rare the yeah. policies are just not uh, not supportive. Supportive. Yeah. A, wow, that must be very stressful for that community. I guess a lot of a lot of the community would just consider moving to a different country. Even I don't even know. And and I think a lot of a lot a lot a lot. And I saw it with my own experience when I was doing something that is very conformative to have a child. How I also got kind of brainwashed and and drawn into this like should all these cannot do's and yeah. and that you also started to think them a little bit think about yeah 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 because mm. it's so common here and everyone is like instead of just accepting it and instead of fighting it because it's mm. just so hard to fight it because mm. like with me and the and the science situation. Mm. you you really encounter so much negativity that in the end of the day you just sort of give in because it's easier and I find that it's really horrible yeah I would imagine that some of maybe some of your motivation in starting your organization is I mean of course for your community but perhaps also for your own self-care to feel like, mm -hmm. all right, I'm doing something about, you know, parts of this mindset Absolutely. that I feel like are, yeah. are not beneficial. Yeah. And I, I also said, I, I liked this role model here in Switzerland. That's why I went mm -hmm. abroad to, to find mm -hmm. these role models. And I did find them in my supervisors around the world where, 
all of them are women and are professors or or like have their run their own companies uh, etc and you're one of them too i've been always so inspired by you so really you know it's it's it's, it's what you. you need in order to 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 um stay sane yeah? mm. knowing that it can be different because yeah. people here don't even believe it's possible you know that's the that's mm. the tough thing too that there's a a sense that well this is the way things are and it just yeah. feels maybe too daunting to try to to change it and i mean in mm -hmm. a way i can really empathize with that because you know it, even in preparing for our interview today and, and just overall in working on this podcast launch i have been reading a lot of research about um, women and parents in the workplace and you know a lot of it is unfortunately very daunting and discouraging particularly mm -hmm. after the pandemic where a lot of parents and unfortunately quite often mothers have left their roles because it's just been too overwhelming to try to yeah. to manage everything mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of work and household exactly. so this is is something for for you that it it's a sense of all right let me push forward on on creating some oh, change yeah. here absolutely absolutely so yeah i really hope it will it will eventually change but I really said we have a direct democracy in Switzerland where we mm -hmm. are um, voting on everything. And okay. if you if you don't vote, then you also should not complain. And that's mm -hmm. also what I felt like if I'm not doing anything myself to make a change and improve the situation, where, who am I to complain, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that was also a big driving force to do to do something. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's, again, just very inspiring. How many members do you all have now? We're over 130 now. So it's quite, it's grown very rapidly. And it shows also the, the, the importance of, of the network and the need, I guess, to do have a platform to share and, and meet and exchange. Yeah, I find this is also just... You know, again, if we're looking at this, not even necessarily from the work perspective, but just from the psychological perspective, mm. you know, having a sense of community and connection with others is just so critical that we're really, I've heard it said mm. that we, right now in the world, there's a, a crisis of loneliness, largely mm. born out of the some of the isolation of the pandemic, but just, you know, other ways that our societies are structured now. And yeah, so I agree. Providing a I was actually for teaching this a course on loneliness. Last, oh, really? Last year, yeah. Oh, um, well, I, very I, timely, I, I guess. Yeah, but I, I can tell you, that was one of the toughest courses I've ever taught. I taught this the this semester after the pandemic to American undergrad students that came to Sweden, and honestly, I wasn't prepared to how heavy the burden was to carry the loneliness they transported over from the pandemic into the course. And sometimes it was almost impossible to, to discuss certain topics because they were just, they weighed just too heavy. Mm. It was really one of a, one kind of an experience, I have to say. Wow. A so class I wasn't that really... almost bordered on the therapeutic maybe. 
Yeah, 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 definitely. Mm -hmm. But also bordered on how much you can contain as a mm. teacher and as a therapist mm -hmm. and as a group as well. So I, I um, had to, to bring in some well-being with yoga and other activities with going out on walks and having coffee um, as part of the, the classroom experience because it was just too, too much. Mm, to try to help them maybe balance some of the yes, yes. emotions and, and, that were and coming out. And contain all these emotions. Yes, mm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What so were some of the more. topics that were that were so challenging within it? There were a lot, for example, breakups. And some of the students said they couldn't tolerate listening to that because they had just undergone their own breakups or even just just the aspect of loneliness as a topic itself was just too much because he was just literally talking about their own experience mm. and I think they weren't really ready to see it so clearly as like if you if you do any interpretation in you with your patient you have to wait when when to tell them when is the right, right time when right. when they're ready Exactly. And some, somehow, sometimes I felt they were not ready to hear whatever was on the agenda. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that but was yeah, something this loneliness that... Is a, is, a, is a good point because I think that's what I felt here in Switzerland all along. I felt so alone in, in the way I am as a woman and as a career person. So alone. Because so, so, so many women did not want to go that path and I always described it too as a you being so exposed like a flag on a mountaintop if you're the only woman you're so so vulnerable because everyone can question you everyone can comment on you it's like in the U.S. the president is so exposed right nobody is as exposed as him he can't, he can't do anything right. And everyone has an opinion. If you would have like 10 presidents, nobody would point as much on, on one person. And I think this is also one of the reasons why there needs to be a change, that it is not just this one woman on the top anymore that you can send arrows of criticism to, but there is more and then it becomes less exposed and easier. So, That's such yeah. a good point. And I, I love that image of like, all right, maybe we can have a group at the top that supports one another yeah. and yeah. and hopefully then also is, you know, kind of supported more as a as a whole leadership group, you know, that it yeah. wouldn't be seen as somehow unusual that there's a woman exactly. in leadership, but exactly that if it's if there's a greater representation that it might just be, all right, regardless of gender, this is our leadership group. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, it sounds like fantastic and, and really just important things that you all are, are working towards with your organization. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah no, it's wonderful. And, and thank you so much for coming on the show today oh, my to share pleasure. with us about I'm what you're doing and, and also just being so yeah. transparent about your personal experiences I really appreciate of that course, I know it takes I think it's very important yeah. to share because that's it again if you don't share then how how are other women gonna know how it actually looks like behind the scenes 
Okay. Well, thank you again. Many thanks again to Dr. Simone for joining us today. In continuing to address the theme of loneliness, as was brought up in our conversation, I'd like to address a listener question on this topic. Our listener writes, I've recently given birth to my first child. And while I've joined all the Facebook groups and whatnot for my neighborhood, I'm still feeling just so lonely and isolated. What can I do? I'm often feeling too discouraged or intimidated to go to the meetups that the groups have. First of all, dear listener, congratulations on the birth of your child. I'm truly so happy for you. This, this is such a special time. And thank you for writing in to share your experience with us. I think it's something that so many new parents have experienced. And so please know that, first of all, even in your feelings of loneliness, you are not alone. It does seem to just be a feature of our society today that the newborn period is a time when many parents do feel isolated. But the good news is that from a practical side, since there have been groups that you mentioned joining, it sounds as though there are other new parents geographically close to you. So let's take that as an encouraging piece of information here. And there can be energy just in the knowledge that those groups and communities are available. Bravo to reaching out to them, to making that effort to join. I know that it takes courage to do this, and that is an action that shouldn't be discounted. In reaching out there, you've already taken steps to overcome this hurdle of figuring out where do we seek connection. This is really one of the keys to resolving feelings of loneliness. And so while I know it feels daunting, I would encourage you to continue in the direction of the energy and action that you've already taken by starting to get out to some of the group's activities or events. I know this might feel scary, but I often feel and am reminded that the flip side of something scary is often that there is an opportunity there. So here we take the risk of getting out but there's the opportunity for connection and for meeting new people. Maybe we start this with a very doable objective in mind that at each one, we want to try to have an interesting conversation with two or three of the people there. Now, all of that being said, the big caveat to taking the plunge, to put yourself out there, to go to these things, to talk to people is that we likely can't expect immediate results. And in fact, sometimes for the very short term, there is also the possibility that the feelings of loneliness might even increase a bit. Let me explain what I mean. Maybe we go to an event and we feel like all the others there are already friends. We feel a bit on the outside somehow, or that we don't really click with anyone. And so we hold back from participating in the conversation and then we end up leaving feeling even lonelier than when we arrived. It's unfortunately true that this can happen at times. And actually, in fact, I would even say that if we attend enough events, this will happen at some point. But the converse can also occur. 
that we go to an event where we talk to some really lovely people and leave feeling buoyed up and more connected. I usually tell my clients to think of it as a numbers game when it comes to making new friends. If we put in the time to participate in enough groups and activities, we will eventually talk to enough people that we find some that we click with and those friendships will start to form. We just don't want to put too much pressure on any one particular day, person, or event, and instead view it as just trying to get out as much as we can, have as many interesting conversations as possible. And maybe then in the meantime, we also learn some new interesting things about our community or city. Another thing to keep in mind about that is that when we're going to these things, likely there's at least one or more other people there that are feeling some of these same feelings of isolation or uncertainty about the group that you are. And so we can take some comfort from that, knowing that, again, these are human experiences that we're having, which means others around us are also having them. A side note that I will make about this If you genuinely are feeling just too overwhelmed to undertake what I just described, or if you think the feelings of loneliness might be a part of a larger mental health picture, I would encourage seeking out the help of a qualified therapist to guide you through this. Even the work of getting past loneliness does not have to be undertaken alone. That's all for today. Thank you all again for joining me here today. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you along with me on this journey. As always, I welcome your feedback and your questions. Please let me know what you want to hear about. Contact info is in the show notes. And also don't hesitate to share this episode with anyone you think would benefit from it. We'll be back next time with more.